Hello, this is Rabbi Mark Soloway. Welcome to A Dash of Drush, weekly reflections on our world through the lens of Torah. I'm speaking to you right now from Prague, just a few minutes walk from the Jewish quarter in this magnificent, beautiful, romantic city of Prague in the Czech Republic. I actually just came back to my hotel from the very surreal experience of being in the Franz Kafka Museum. Kafka saw the world with this combination of his kind of German and Czech intellectualism and his strong Jewish identity uh, growing up here in Prague and he felt on the outside I think of everything and all of his work is really an expression of alienation um, in the certainly in the realms of dealing with any kind of uh, bureaucracy and his his sort of almost paranoia of how the forces of administration were going to show up in his lives and some some of it based on his terrible dreams and some of it based on his relationship with his father and with his Jewish traditions and much of it about his personal relationships. But that experience, and of course we have the word Kafkaesque in the English language to describe that sense of not quite being able to access the corridors of power or always feeling like we're trying to get into somewhere that doesn't quite exist somehow. It's a kind of common human experience in some ways, especially in this world that uh, feels so chaotic and difficult. And we, we know that we, we so need the, the power of, of community and of ritual and of forces of hope and optimism. This is sort of the end, in a way, of this journey that's taken me to some remarkable cities that are full of, of beauty and also, of course, centers of great horror and, and pain, especially for the Jewish people. I'm in Prague earlier in the week, and over Shabbat I was in Berlin. Before that I was in Poland, in Warsaw, and in Krakow, and in Auschwitz. On Monday I was in Theresienstadt, or Theresien, the Czech town that was turned into a ghetto and a concentration camp and a place of horrible deception, a propaganda machine for the Nazis to deceive, as they did, the International Red Cross and really the world. Although, questionably, they didn't deceive anybody and everybody knew what was going on. But what I'm reflecting on really, and especially in relationship to spending time with Czechs and with Poles, is the sense of just how embedded into their histories and their narratives are the, the Jewish narratives. Because Jews have been around in, in Poland and in the Czech Republic for a thousand years or something, and some of the synagogues, these incredibly powerful synagogues like the Altnoy Synagogue and um, the Jerusalem Synagogue, which is a much more modern synagogue that I visited today, but these magnificent synagogues that just show you how central Jewish life was in this city. And what's so haunting me 
is just how many Czechs and how many Poles really were not part of this horrible Nazi machine and that we sometimes tell the story as if they were. It's different in other countries, it's different to Lithuania, it's different to Ukraine where the collaborators there were, were very eager it seems to help the Nazis do their work but not really so in the same way in the Czech Republic and in in Poland. And so I'm, I'm figuring that out in terms of meeting, and by the way there are Germans who fall into that category too of course, but meeting Czechs and meeting Poles who either are discovering themselves that they had a Jewish grandparent that they didn't know about, or just that they feel the pain of the loss of Jewish life from these regions. The pain of that of that loss is is immense. You know, as I've said last week, a third, really a third of the population of Poland, 3.3 million, were Jews. And very, very large numbers. I don't know the numbers here. And anyway, it wasn't really the Czech Republic, it was Czechoslovakia. The borders have changed, the countries have changed so much, but these regions of Moldavia and, and, and Bohemia. But here's the thing. How do we want to tell this story? How do we really want to tell this story? In the Torah this week, in the Parsha, in Vayishlach, in the book of Genesis, there is a story of two brothers, twin brothers, Yaakov and Esau, who, whose story we first encountered a couple of weeks ago when they were born, and born into, it seems, a sense of enmity. And last time they saw each other, Jacob had tricked his brother, his slightly older twin brother, Esau, out of his father's blessing. And Esau was livid and left very angrily and wanting to kill his brother and they're preparing to meet for the first time and Jacob's terrified he's absolutely terrified his messengers have told him that Esau is preparing to meet him with an army of 400 men and Jacob is left alone and has that extraordinary wrestling match with an angel which is a whole another story the Dark Night of the Soul, which I think on this week's Parsha last year I spoke about that, that Dark Night of the Soul. But what I really want to talk about is what happens the next morning after that encounter, whether it was a, a vision of the night or whether it was an actual wrestling match. The way the Torah describes, though, the meeting, it says, Vayaratz Esav Likato. Esav ran to meet him, to meet his brother, Jacob, and he hugged him, and he fell on his neck, and he kissed him, and they together wept, they wept. He ran, he hugged, he fell on his neck, he kissed, they wept. Now, 
the Torah seems to be describing a genuine reconciliation between two brothers, and it's emotional. And we've seen that Esav is an emotional person, but the rabbis can't see anything redeeming, really, about Esav, because he has been presented, really, through all of the Midrashic literature, all the rabbinic literature, as being evil and a murderer from day one. And so everything that Jacob did had to be done in order not to allow this evil murderer to be the, the heir of the tradition of Abraham and Isaac, his father and grandfather. And so here, on that word, Vaishakehu, he kissed him, there are these mysterious dots which no one really knows what they mean, but what the Midrash the rabbinic story points to is that actually Esav was not trying to kiss his brother, but he was trying with big sharp teeth to bite into his brother's neck. He fell onto his brother's neck and he bit him. But the Midrash says that at that moment the angel Gabriel turned Jacob's neck into marble, into a stone, and as Esav bit into that neck all of his teeth fell out. And that's maybe what caused him to cry and what caused Jacob to cry was the fact that his brother was trying to attack him. I don't want to read the story like that. <laughs> I want to read it as a genuine moment of reconciliation. Esav, Esau, at the end of this Parsha, they come together to bury their father Isaac and then they part ways again. And the whole end of the Parsha goes into the lineage of Esav, which means obviously he's an important character. And his lineage is traced to Edom, the Edomite kingdom, which, according to the rabbis, became the Roman Empire. And the Roman Empire is synonymous with Christianity. And so this idea that really Esav represents the world of Christianity, and of course Jacob as Yisrael represents uh, the Jewish people and so the the idea really according to the rabbis is that the seed is sown in the story of these two twins who are enemies the seeds are sown for the perpetual enmity between Jewish people and Christian people throughout time and of course we have seen throughout history awful 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 terrible, brutal ways in which Jews have been treated by Christians. The medieval period was just a catalogue of, of barbarism in a, in, in a certain way, and, and of course not constantly and not always. But I don't want to tell a story like that. Yes, there were some bad Poles, and there were some bad Czech people who, who betrayed and turned in the hiding places of Jews and were complicit with the Nazis in the destruction of the Jews. But we cannot continue to tell that story. I was so inspired to meet in uh, Krakow a wonderful couple, uh, Jonathan and Connie Weber, who are um, academics and um, activists in, in, in Poland. And, one of the things that they're really trying to do is, is, is change that narrative, to change that narrative. And they're in, engaged with all kinds of Poles, Poles who are discovering their own Jewish roots, Poles who are 
just wanting to heal the past. And I'm finding the same is true here in the Czech Republic. I have not encountered anybody. I mean, obviously, I'm encountering a very small segment of the population. But this, the sense is that the Czechs are, are sort of proud of, of the Jewish history. The, the, the shuls um, in around this old city and, uh, you know, are, are highlights on the tourist trail. The Jewish Museum, which has created this sort of trail to visit the old Jewish cemetery and the old shuls, are very, very important. And so on this week of the American holiday of Thanksgiving, where we really look for ways to offer thanks, I feel like I want to, in a way, dedicate this to a message of thanksgiving to the righteous among the nations, the Poles and the Czechs and the Germans and others from all kinds of different places who who really risk their own lives to to save to save Jewish people during those terrible terrible years of the Holocaust and there are many of them and in the name of Jacob and Esau these two twin brothers who became enemies I want to read back into the Torah the way it seems to be written that there is the possibility of brothers who together weep not because one is trying to hurt and destroy the other but because their hearts break open at the possibility of them coming back together and rewriting history. So, <laughs> as my hours fade, I'm actually getting ready right now. I'm sitting here looking out over the beautiful old town of Prague and getting ready to go to the airport and fly back to London and I just can't help but want to share words while I'm here in this magnificent city and let's not get trapped into a Kafkaesque reality where we feel alienated from each other but let's look for ways in which we're part of each other and that we can hug and kiss and cry together and that the tears should be marking and paving the way to a better future because the world needs our tears and needs our hugs and needs our kisses. Thank you for listening to A Dash and Drush. We will see you next time.